You're not giving me easy questions, man. I thought we're going to start with some casual conversations about, you know, marketing, what B2B SaaS companies to Nope, I'm made, jumping in. We're going for it. <laughs> You're going for it. <laughs> Welcome to episode 39 of B2B SaaS Marketing Snacks. My name is Mike, and I am the product lead here at Kalungi. And today we're talking about channel partnerships and channel marketing and development, answering questions like, why should you partner or why shouldn't you for that matter? And what should you reasonably expect to give up and get in exchange for uh, being a good partner with uh, another company? And then we also go into the three biggest factors that you should look to when you're making a decision about making an investment in channel partnerships and then some of the potential risks and pitfalls that are associated with it. Going all in on a channel partnership isn't always the best thing to do, especially if you're too early to add a lot of value or to beat out competitors that are already in the ecosystem. In order to get a lot of attention from your partner, you have to be the best player and come from a position of strength uh, for their their solution as well. So that's kind of what we go into today. Um, I will say my audio gets a little bit uh, weird. I think I recorded to the wrong input, so I apologize for that. And I hope that you forgive me. Please enjoy the next five seconds of my voice sounding nice and crisp because it is uh, going to go away very quickly. Thank you again for choosing to spend your time with us. We appreciate you being here and let's get into it. Okay, so here's another one. And I think you mentioned that this this question came from one of your, your current clients, which is, um, at what point do you invest in channel marketing or development of, of partner ecosystems? Yeah, because this is a really hard to time. There are a lot of software companies who start with a channel program too early. And it's, it's tricky because when you think of why do you go down a, a go-to-market route that includes um, a third-party channel, right, or um, resellers or value-added um, partners. It's typically for one of three reasons or sometimes a combination. Uh, one is you need to validate uh, the value of your solution. It's almost like customer research, and it's also why you get to, you know, your customers to get to MVP and product market fit, and, and partners can play a role in that. Especially because you need to validate if your solution is complete enough to do what customers need, right? Because in the end, customers don't buy features, they buy solutions, right? They also don't buy platforms. That's a, you can do a whole episode on that, Mike, the word platform and how tricky that is. Um, because yeah, customers don't buy features, they don't, don't buy platforms, they buy solutions. Or they buy you know, someone who's going to do the job to be done for them. And so you reach out to partners early who are maybe servicing the same customers that you're servicing to both see if they have complementary services or products that can complete your value proposition to form that complete solution for the customer. Um, or if they maybe have intel or insights that allow you to, to fine-tune your value proposition and make sure it's very... So that's something you want to do sometimes early in the life cycle of your B2B SaaS company. The other two reasons to partner are to 
uh, access a market to get access to an audience, to a vertical, a geographic um, part of the market, an ecosystem that you just don't have, right? If you don't have access to a certain part of the market, maybe a partner can help you with that. And then the last reason would be uh, for ROI reasons, if a partner is able to do certain things cheaper, faster, better than you can, right? Providing customer service or support, doing the sales, um, doing marketing, right? If you're if you're producing a solution, you have a fantastic software product, but you don't have a sales organization, maybe there's a partner who can do it on your behalf, right? And you're willing to give up some of your margin because this partner will do it not only better, but maybe cheaper than you could ever do this yourself. So all, these are the three reasons, right? Access to a certain market, completing your solution with either the intellectual property or knowledge or experience from a partner who's already servicing those customers, uh, or three, because they will help you do something um, uh, cheaper, faster, with a better ROI than you could do this yourself. Those are three reasons. So what happens is that early in the life cycle of a B2B SaaS company, it's tempting to go to partners and to find partnerships that help you with any of these three things and then expect reciprocal interest <laughs> from these partners. And the challenge is when you're early in your life cycle, let's, let's compare it to the T2D3 journey, right? If you're in that sort of second, third year, so you haven't really achieved any form of market dom domination in your category. You're maybe, you may be becoming a serious player, but you're not necessarily top two, top three. You're gonna what, what channel partners will do, they'll give you some attention and they'll get excited about the first meeting and, and they'll applaud you for your efforts. And of course, because they, they see someone entering the same category that they care about, servicing the same customers that they so there's a lot of excitement, there's a lot of um, you know, embracing the opportunity. But then if a partner has to reciprocate your efforts and your energy with you know their ability or willingness to go knock on the doors of their customers, position you with their customers, sell you to their customers. It's hard to get any traction unless you're the top three, four provider, because these partners are going to be playing with all the other providers in that same category, typically, right? Or they're at least looking at you, you know, and comparing you against them. And they're all also have limited time, limited resources. So unless you have a certain position of strength. It's really hard if you get that, you know, that introduction to Microsoft to go partner with them, right? And it's, oh, Microsoft, this huge global market and these partner managers are all going to position our solution with our customers. And no, they're not. <laughs> they're going to tell you they will. And they're going to sign you up as a new partner, right? And it will hit their OKR, their objective. But for them to actually really care and give you business, you have to be one of the top performing players. And so what happens a lot is that small software companies try to do these things too early, spend a lot of time on it, time and resources, and not maybe get the reciprocal sort of um, prioritization or resources from the partners they're trying to team up with. The other uh, reason um, this often happens a little too early is because it's so tempting if you don't have your own sales force, if you don't have your own marketing capability, if you're not really able to go to market at scale, you it's tempting to say, oh, if we partner, we can get that as a leveraged model. And, and now we can, because we do partnership, we can reach so many more customers and so many more, um, uh, 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 such a larger part of the market. And the reality is, yeah, in theory, <laughs> but that assumes that these partners are going to care, right? And so let me, let me stop there. But that, that was my, 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 over, my quick answer to your question. The other, the other challenge is that when you partner, you give up 
things, right? You give up margin, so it's less profitable if you sell through a partnership. Sometimes you give up margin. You give up control, right? Maybe these partners will own the relationship with the end customer. So your ability as a SaaS business to upsell, cross-sell, to drive retention, right? To do renewals, etc., To make sure that these customers have a fantastic experience, get onboarded correctly. All those things will be diminished if you allow your partners to take more control over that. So you give up access to the market control and sometimes money, eh? uh, margin or, or revenue. And that has to be really worth it. Um, but yeah, the fundamental reason I always want, when, when I work with small software companies and they get excited about partnership opportunities, where I always ask, hey, is your, are you doing this from a position of strength? Do you have something they really need from you to service their customers? Um, otherwise, be, just be careful with how much time you spend on uh, developing these partnership relationships. Fair. I've also seen, I've been a part of a couple of projects where um, a huge investment was made in a channel partnership. And I also think of like a channel partnership as an investment in maybe building a product for a specific marketplace and locking yourself into developing for a particular user group, right? So for an example, um, I've worked with a company that was a workday partner, hmm. right? And they were pretty heavily invested in that ecosystem. But that also meant that because they were so heavily invested, they were going to do whatever it took to make sure that their product was the, the leading one there. And kind of, if they can, you know, beat out their competitors there, then it gives them a really strong um, foothold moving forward, especially if workday continues to grow, right? You could argue, like, I think even with our own, so at Kalungi, we have Atlas, which is a HubSpot theme. Atlas would not be what it is if it were not for the HubSpot marketplace. I think as, as an agency, we've made a very large bet to partner with HubSpot because we think they have a great solution. And together, right, their, their tools and our um, services are consulting our ability to go execute the a go to market combined with their solution creates a complete uh, product, right? Um, but we've decided to go that route as opposed to, let's say, choosing Marketo or choosing Zoho or some other kind of suite. Um, and I would argue, like, you know, I get questions often about Atlas too. Like, could we create a WordPress version of this? Well, yes, we could, but it's not worth the time because it also means then we have to service two separate. I have to service on WordPress and I have to service on HubSpot. So if I just get really good at HubSpot and make sure that I'm going to, you know, be as competitive as possible, then I think it makes sense. So I don't know if you've seen, it feels like a cautionary tale that we're kind of weeding, but I've also seen it work very well if you can really put a lot of focus into it, but I could see it falling apart really easily if you did, you know, you tried too much too soon um, or made the wrong bet, right? Like if I picked WordPress and WordPress is on a decline as opposed to picking HubSpot and HubSpot, I've seen some you know, strong growth, right? We're going to grow with them. Um, then it could be disastrous as well. Yeah, you're talking about a lot of really important things, right? Sometimes it's better to pick the number two or the number three to partner with who are more, you know, motivated. They, 
they're maybe even growing faster, right? So that's an important um, thing to think about. And then if you, just like when you chase your largest customers when you, from a product roadmap perspective, you put all your R&D efforts into whatever the largest client asks for, the same can happen with partnerships, right? Usually when you do a partnership, there are requirements that, that sometimes mean you have to do things with your R&D, with your product, right? you have to build an integration, you have to invest in certain types of documentation, there's marketing that needs to be done for the joint partnership. And all those things I think are, are, are often underestimated in how much time it actually takes and how much effort. Uh, so if you actually are serious about a certain partnership, go do it, right? It can, it can be a fantastic leverage model, right? It can work really well, uh, but you have to be able to put the right focus on the execution so that you can actually um, go all the way to the finish line. And then also make sure that you're aligned with the partner on their strategy and that you're not doing something with them that they plan to do themselves like next year, right? And 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 you're just a stopgap, right? And that again, you have to be comfortable that if you do the, the thing that they don't, right, that you're better, uh, a better option for them than them doing it in-house over time. That point on copying it is a really good one. I think what? that's the point that you had on if your partner could copy it, it's a really good one. I feel like that I've been hearing a lot about that from like the Shopify ecosystem too. There are companies who built their entire product in the Shopify like marketplace, right? To make Shopify better. And now that Shopify is getting so big, they're essentially just cherry picking the most successful products and then building them in house and essentially making the entire company obsolete because they're, their entire product is focused on Shopify and they have no other beachhead. They have no other customer base. And then it just, it, there's nowhere to go. Yeah. I mean, the largest vendors in the world, right. Who control access to certain markets, right. The Googles of the world, Microsoft, Amazon, etc. If you partner with those, or maybe the tier right under that, right. If there are large partners, like large technology partners that have a fantastic dominant position in a certain, like you mentioned work there, right. A very strong position in large fortune 500 companies, uh, which HRM solutions. And, and of course, if you can strike a partnership with them that allows you to sell your sort of, um, your bolt on solution to work there to all those customers, fantastic, right? Unless they basically decide to just go build it themselves. And there's two outcomes here. One could be to acquire you, which is a great outcome, maybe if that's what you're looking for, or they copy everything you did with them and do it themselves and do it cheaper, better, and now you're out of business. And and I mean, I was at Microsoft for a long part of my career, right? A lot of the platform players like Microsoft, that's what they do, right? They they create a lot of the fundamentals, they partner with, and they have created fantastic value for tons of uh, software companies in the world, right? So, but, but every partner of Microsoft also has to think about how do I keep innovating, keep adding enough value so Microsoft cannot just copy it, right? And, and put it in the platform and because there's always a risk. And that's usually something you bring on to yourself if you stop innovating, for example, right? And because if you're really innovating and you're, worth um uh, the, the 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 premium that customers pay for it then microsoft would buy you right uh, they wouldn't go build it themselves if you build a fantastic product why would they right it's like the two factors there are you either have to have a product that is so unique in terms of the, the technology that you're using it would make it really difficult to 
to copy, right? So like some kind of advanced, right? Let's say you're you're doing OCR, which is like character recognition. Mm -hmm. If you build your own OCR uh, product that is just far more advanced, you own all the IP, it would be very challenging for somebody to, to copy that in theory, right? The other, like the flip side of the coin would be doing something that it just wouldn't be worth yeah, you execute from, better. Right. Yeah. So better in our ROI, case, right? yeah. Or or just like more volume, I think in some ways. So like HubSpot, okay. they have the asset marketplace where they sell templates and themes for websites and modules and building things that go on to the CMS and HubSpot. We have a HubSpot theme there. And I know I'm, well, I don't know this. I, you know, I've been proven wrong many times, but I have a feeling that HubSpot is not going to suddenly invest in a team to go build themes. It's just not worth it for them. They have so much bigger fish to fry in the product that they're building. So we're pretty safe in terms of the, you know, contributing to the marketplace and creating different types of themes and things like that. It just doesn't make sense for them to go um, to replicate it. So we feel pretty good that um, we're safe from being eaten by, by HubSpot and our theme. Yeah. So was, I guess those are the two ways. Life in the Serengeti, Mike. You gotta, yeah, you gotta, you gotta be worth, you gotta fight to survive, you know? innovate, execute better, know your customers better.